And we are back. Another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider had a brief hiatus last week. I want to blame the Big Ten. I mean, we're blaming the Big Ten and Kevin Warren and the presidents for everything nowadays anyway, right? So we might as well blame them for uh, how we were disjointed last week, kind of threw us off schedule a little bit. But we are back, and we're going to get back on our normal Monday routine, dropping the Michigan Recruiting Insider every Monday. Obviously, those of you listening know where you can find it, but be sure to tell your friends and tell them they can find this podcast wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, but especially Spotify. You Spotify listeners, definitely we get a lot of great, great feedback from you. Uh, so definitely spread the word about that. But again, on the Michigan Recruiting Insider, I want to welcome the crew back in. Of course, starting with Bryce Marich. Bryce, how you doing? Could be doing a little better, but it's all right. I'm working on some Ikea furniture, so... Hopefully I can get it done by this week. Dude, you spent a lot of time at Ikea, Bryce. What's up, man? Man, I'm trying to build a house. That's what I'm doing over here. A lot of stuff to get, so been busy. All right, and Steve Lorenz back with us, of course. Steve, how are you? Good. So I said, nice return to normalcy this afternoon uh, with the Detroit Lions doing what the Detroit uh, Lions do. So man, said, don't give me started. things felt normal again. So. Uh, yeah, I know we don't want to get too into that. Uh, I'll, I'll get man. heated too. I know, I know Sam will as well. Absolutely, so. you got to yeah. be freaking kidding me, man! You're up seven. <laughs> you're up seventeen points to start the fourth quarter. How do you blow that game? Right. How, how does the guy who you drafted because he can catch the football out of the backfield? How does he drop the game-winning touchdown? Why does it even get? To, anyway, like that's you the, said, that let's, jersey. <laughs> let's that's not, what it is. Let's not get off into that too much. Obviously, we got to spend. This time, talking about uh, the maize and blue and, and talking about the Big Ten in general, just real quick, guys, really feels like we are on the verge of the the Big Ten starting play. And if the Big Ten starts play, you know, maybe the, the recruiting calendar picks up as well as we know the recruiting calendar. The dead period is set to expire at the end of this month. So, I mean, are we... Am I being overly optimistic when I say I think in the Big Ten football will be played by Thanksgiving at the latest? No, not at all. Uh, you know, I think I think this is turning into a deal where the high schools are playing, high schools across the country are playing, other conferences had their first week. My, my sense has been as the longer this went with any major, major hiccups across the country, the more and more of the pressure was is going to continue to build and build until the Big Ten's forced to kind of rethink their decision. So, yeah, we know there could be some news coming down the pipe here in the near future. I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm confident that there's going to be some kind of reversal as far as waiting until next calendar year. I think we'll see the uh, Michigan and the rest of the Big Ten on, on the field in some capacity this fall. I, You know, I, I think it's a good combination of all that, but I also think Kevin Warren and some of the people at the Big Ten weren't expecting the pushback that came from the parents, the coaches, the communities, just everyone, like Steve said, seeing everyone start to play some of the reversals of these high school states now playing like Michigan has changed some of, I think, the opinions of others. And so it's going to be interesting. And yeah, I do think it will affect recruiting in some aspects for many of the schools like Michigan. You know, I think it boils down to a big, huge factor, and that is the the availability of rapid testing. Uh, and I think that they are on the verge. If the Pac-12 ha is going to have league-wide rapid testing by the end of the month, 
I've been saying the Big Ten can't be far behind, and that is that is truly a game changer. You aren't going to make it. None of these these teams, none of these leagues, are going to make it through a season without some sort of postponement or some issue. I think Virginia Tech's been having issues. Uh, you've had a, a number of programs uh, before the game started pause athletic activities. So it's a matter of catching all of that, all of those issues before you put those players or those people uh, in action on a game day. Rapid testing will allow you to do that. It was one of the things that we saw in that Big Ten Unity proposal for the players when they asked the Big Ten for it, those that were a part of that group, there was no way the Big Ten was going to be able to fill that because they didn't have access to it. Now that the Pac-12 has it, uh, these these pro leagues have had it. Nebraska went and approached the same company that that's outfitting the the Pac-12. You got to believe that by the end of the month, if not a little after that, the Big Ten will have it too. And then you get that rapid testing. You have two to four weeks of camp that puts you back in in action as early as late October. Uh, if they wanted to push it to to wait a little while longer to see how things are on campuses, they could. But I just don't see a scenario now where you have enough presidents not wanting to play to stay on the sideline. You have to flip six presidents or chancellors to uh, to to switch the vote uh, to get enough votes in favor of playing. I think they're going to have that uh, once we have word of rapid testing, and they must be. You know, that's the word that we're hearing now that. They are on the verge of voting uh, a resumption or a restoration of the schedule. I think it has everything to do with rapid testing. So we will see, uh, and I think that opens the doors uh, recruiting-wise, which will uh, make things a lot more exciting uh, for for us. But I guess things have been exciting anyway over on the MichiganInsider.com, right, guys? A few commitments of late. So let's start off first talking about the 2022 that came into the fold. And, Bryce, you were the first to crystal ball them. So we'll start with you. Young Mr. Tyler Martin, that's one that you saw coming from a mile away. You know what? I'm not going to take too much credit. I know Steve put in his uh, little chat that he also would have put one in, too. Um, this is one that I think everyone saw coming for a long time. He's, I want to say, 6'2", 245. He's a bigger inside linebacker, hard-nosed, old-school type of guy that comes downhill, hits you, and you feel it when he comes at you. Michigan was the first offer in his whole recruitment, came in the eighth grade, came from Don Brown, um, an area, he's from Massachusetts, where they own, Michigan owns Massachusetts. Any guy they want, they basically get from that area. Um, he's the teammate also of Zach Zinter, who's now on the team, current offensive lineman at Michigan. So he's got a lot of ties. He's been up to campus a handful of times as well, really enjoyed it. His parents really like the atmosphere, the culture at Michigan, and uh, Massachusetts basically coming a mini Michigan. I mean, basically it's every guy from there's you see an interest now in Michigan, even if they don't have an offer because of Don Brown. So he's a really good start. I, I really like the class so far. They did a good job with the 2021 class when they got Geo, um, JJ McCarthy. Now you're seeing the 2022 class with Alex Van Summer and Tyler Martin. So they've gone off to a fast start. And this is a guy that will really help on the defense. And he's a guy that, who knows, he could play linebacker and maybe he'll bulk up. I know Michigan wants him to play linebacker, but there's a possibility he could slide down to defensive line if he keeps getting bigger, and that's a possibility. So 
he's an interesting prospect and a guy that Michigan fans should be excited about. Yeah, Steve, uh, that's kind of how I see him. I mean, I think he's a, a guy that has the frame to wind up with his hand in the dirt, maybe be a strong side end, like the way he moves, like like his agility, and he looks like he, he could carry another 40 pounds easily without losing much in the way of, of speed or quickness. But right now, big physical middle linebacker definitely could serve a, or fill a need there. But a guy that would bring them or will bring them some versatility down the line. Right. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Sam. I think I think his future is on the defensive line, probably. Uh, the way I look at it is, you know, I know Brian Doan eva- evaluated him a while ago on his film last year. Really, the question was that lateral quickness at the middle linebacker spot. Not saying he can't get there in that spot, just saying – based on what we've seen on from him so far, it's that lateral quickness, you think, because if his lateral quickness isn't quite elite at the middle linebacker spot, that's the kind of guy that could excel on the line, put you know, put a few pounds on him. You know, he's obviously athletic enough to play up front. So, and definitely the frame is the big thing. I think there's a lot of uh, room to build some weight up there. Uh, but no, Bryce deserves a lot of credit for that one. My thing was, I always posted in the VIP chat, uh, people always ask, who's your next crystal ball? Uh, I would just always answer Tyler Martin because uh, is you know otherwise it's like who who you you know who are you gonna answer? Uh, now I have Jet Howard, <laughs> the guy I'm gonna be using for the next like six, seven, eight, nine months right. hopefully. So um, so no, Bryce was I think that was a almost a Nolan Rumler uh, crystal ball. Like I had one in for Nolan Rumler like two years ahead of time. I know Bryce had one uh, and Tyler Martin a long time ago. So no, I like the addition. I do think he's closer to his composite score than his current 24/7 score. I think there's a pretty big discrepancy, actually, if I recall. I think he's a he's a four star in the composite, but I think we have him in the 85 right now, which is a little bit lower than I'd probably have him. Uh, but again, junior C's got a long ways to go. So not a guy, you know, I know how Michigan fans get. They see 85, the question marks start uh, flying. You know, I don't know how many great defenses Don Brown has to build for people to set, you know, maybe like give him a little bit of leeway uh, with these with some of these guys that maybe people are questioning. So. Yeah. Great addition, in my opinion. And I think that his ranking, in addition to watching him play and, and, and be productive at his current spot, I think that his 24-7 ranking, uh, and this is one of the things that I talked to Brian about as he was scouting him, is he is really looking at him at, at another position. And so they do a lot, for, for people who aren't familiar with uh, the 24-7 ranking sort of philosophy, if you will, is they – it's largely uh, based on NFL projections. And so part of the eval for Tyler Martin is, hey, we see him uh, as a defensive lineman. That that affects his pro projection. Uh, and as we sit here and we look at him and we say, hey, we could really see how this guy could grow into, and Don Brown has a track record for, for growing guys into the defensive line position. Well, now the projection changes, and I think that can really affect his ranking down the line. So we'll see. Not that Michigan cares <laughs> about the ranking as much as the fans do, but I think it's in part it should really explain things a bit, at least as far as it relates to to Tyler Martin. Now you mentioned Zach Zinner. Let me just say something. Real. You know, there there are some guys that that you might just miss. You might just you know not realize that Tom Brady's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time and draft him in the sixth round right it's all you know whether it's the NFL draft or it's it's rankings there are going to be some guys that fly below the radar uh go you know go rank lower than they should have been Zach Zinner guys I'm convinced is going to be one of those guys I know 
I know you guys hear uh, a lot like I do, and they just, everyone I talk to, everyone, every coach, every player, Jalen Mayfield on his way out of the door is like, man, Zach Zinner is going to be a dude. He is going to be a big-time player at the University of Michigan, barring injury, a, a precocious kid, came in early, learning fast. If it wasn't such a big experience deficit or gap, uh, I would say that he, he would be a guy that I would be a little bolder in predicting maybe a, a starting job for as a rookie. But he's competing with, with Andrew Stewart. Can't see him overtaking Stuber for that spot. But, man, by next year, woo, woo, look out for Zach Zinner. Fascinating, too, real quick on Zinner. I think you guys remember, felt like that was a situation where, you know, when Notre Dame and Michigan have kind of had these funky differences in evaluating linemen. I, I want to say Notre Dame had kind of cooled on Zinter uh, before Michigan sort of swooped in and, and uh, you know, brought him to Ann Arbor. So pretty interesting you know, I think you're seeing something semi-similar with Greg Crippen, too, is a, I think a similar kind of deal happened there. So I love the jousting between Michigan and Notre Dame. It's always fascinating. Uh, you see Kyron Williams had a big game for the Irish on Saturday. I think that was a Michigan-Notre Dame deal. Michigan loved him. Uh, so, you know, to see Zinter uh, emerge so quickly is is fascinating to me when you consider the, the way his recruitment kind of ended and, and went down. So, yep. All right. So uh, you're talking about loving a kid and – Feeling really good about him. Tavier Dunlap. I know we talked about him a, a couple of podcasts ago as being the next likely guy in the fold. We all had crystal balls in for him. He uh, made those crystal balls good when he committed to Michigan officially and publicly Saturday evening, Steve. And I know you uh, addressed this already, but y- you got to give Jay Harbaugh a ton of credit for Michigan being able to reel that one in. Yeah, I compared it to sort of how Partridge from just strictly from a talent standpoint uh, kind of transformed the safeties room when he came in. I think there was a little bit of a gap there at running back Michigan got some guys, but not quite elite level talents. I think they view Dunlap as an elite talent on a 24 seven. We have, we have him in the top 24 seven suspect there's room for him to move up. Uh, I would argue Michigan thinks he's one of the seven or eight best backs in the country. And for that, for that reason, I think he's quietly like, really one of the, now one of the three or four most important verbals they have just because a kid as elite as Donovan Edwards, you just, it's, and it's not over until it's over. I mean, we all still feel pretty good there, I think, but you, it's never over until it's over And Michigan really needed. They need a running back in this class. They've, like they said, they got the two guys they wanted the last two cycles, but that's it. They've only taken one each cycle. You get, I don't want like calling him an insurance commitment is kind of short selling it a little bit. I, what, but what I meant by that when I posted was just, you know, they already now, in my opinion, they have a really, really good back in this class. Now Donovan Edwards would be the, to me would finish out maybe their best skill position hall uh, in a long, long time from top to bottom. So yeah, credit to Jay Harbaugh. He gets, I think he's, I think people are most more and more people are starting to come around on his recruiting ability as they, as they see. Uh, but I mean, we know finishing on Edwards is, uh, gonna probably really dictate that that <laughs> opinion uh, either way. So, uh, but yeah, great finish. Like I said, Oklahoma State actually led uh, until relatively late, so this was a close uh, from Jay Harbaugh, the rest of the Michigan staff, and, and you know Dunlap's a guy. Now I'm really excited to watch his senior film because I I know our guys are uh, at 24/7 are are really kind of keeping an eye on him to see if he can even move higher than he is right now. We speculated a couple of weeks ago that they 
that they had to reach out to Donovan and say, hey, you know, we, we're taking this other guy. We're looking good with this other guy, but we really, really love you. Uh, that hasn't changed. Our position with you uh, is the same. And I was able to confirm that that did indeed happen, that they did actually connect with Donovan to to make it clear that, look, we're looking to take two backs. We want it to be clear that we are not, you know, doing anything uh, that isn't consistent with what we've been telling you already. Uh, and he was good with it. That's what it's about with, with Donovan is is being up front. I know there was some some consternation among Michigan fans when they heard that, some of them anyway, heard that he was going to uh, look to visit Georgia and Oklahoma. And my response, you know, someone asked me, what do you make of that? I said, I make of it nothing new. It had long been the case that he wanted to take visits. I uh, was very open about it even to the point of taking those visits if they were going to be dead period visits. Uh, you know, he's a guy that recruiting, it can run hot and cold with him. He can get a little burned out from recruiting. So I think that was another thing that you didn't hear from him for a while. He wasn't talking to anyone. He wasn't talking to the coaches either. Wasn't talking to Oklahoma's coaches. Wasn't talking to Georgia's coaches. Certainly wasn't talking to Michigan's either. Michigan worked hard. They were persistent and still making it a point to try to connect with him. And when they couldn't reach him, talk to his coach, Ron Bellamy, who they obviously have a really good relationship with as a former Wolverine. Talk to his dad, Jim Harbaugh, reached out to his dad, and they had a a really, really good and meaningful conversation. So uh, doing the thing from a persistent standpoint, uh, keeping him informed standpoint to let him know that he is still the top priority for the Maize and Blue. But look, they want it <laughs> – you got to fill that running back room out, like you said, Steve. And the other thing is Donovan didn't, doesn't want to be the only, I mean, that's the thing. These guys, what running back carries the load by himself these days? Uh, you share that load. So having another really, really good guy in the class is a big, big land for them. Now, there are other prospects other than Donovan that are left on the board, Bryce, in 2021. One of them being Damon David. And that was a guy that we've talked about a lot here on the podcast BC was thought to be the main competition for a while. And then Oregon, his dream school came out of nowhere and then suddenly uh, sort of took over the crystal ball or the trend line as far as Damon David is concerned. So what have you been hearing about Damon David uh, as we move closer to what looks like a decision for him? I just want to point out one more quick thing with Dunlap. So when Dunlap with that commitment, it also does help with five-star wide receiver, the 2022 class, Caleb Burton, Michigan offered in May, six foot 165 elite talent. He's got over 35 offers and being a teammate, you have to think that might be a feather in the cap for the Wolverines going forward in their recruitment and help, but going with David. So I received Intel, um, I want to say last Monday that Michigan was looking good. Talks were good. They were really feeling good about kind of where their position was. And it quickly, but, uh, you know, I had to double check because sometimes you can't, you can't always take everything for granted, you know. And so I double checked, looked into it more. Obviously, Oregon was a school that he really loved, grew up loving, watching. He obviously got that offer and it really changed his recruitment. Looks like and a lot of crystal balls came in his favor for the Ducks. So he's the guy that Michigan really wanted. He was a top guy on their board, but Michigan right now is 
it's looking at other guys too. And they have other guys in the mix. So it's not just him. It's, uh, you know, they've looked at uh, other guys commit. I posted one on Caleb Edwards. He's a Georgia Tech safety commit. Uh, Bob Shoup has been talking to him every day, basically saying, hey, you know, he's a guy we like. Jadam Slocum, he's a Stanford commit down to Georgia, safety guy. Really like him. And the third guy they really been talking to is Justin Walters, who's a Notre Dame commit. He's in, again, the 2021 class, and he is teammates with Tyler McLaurin, who's a Michigan commit as well. Um, and I guess, obviously, the fourth guy is the two-way guy they like. Titus, I'm not going to even try to pronounce <laughs> right. his last name. I'm not. Right, I'm going to let Steve or you <laughs> attempt that one, but it, he's from Hawaii. Titus works for two-way. me. He's he's a two-way star. Michigan loves him. Um, he's been talking to basically the whole staff. Harbaugh said, listen, you could pick a side, but if it's safety, it's safety. So those are four guys they like. But, yeah, with David, that one started churning away. You know, obviously we reported good talks, but we never put in a crystal ball there. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for it. you got to double-check your sources and everything like that, and we did, and it, it hurts, you know. They've missed on a couple guys, but – they also have gone a couple guys, so it's not the end of the world with this one. Yeah, you mentioned Titus. You know, interesting thing about him is he also factors in at the receiver position, which we'll uh, talk about here shortly. But it's just so tough. I mean, if you could get him on campus, because you're right, he's been extremely responsive to them. But a kid from Hawaii coming to Michigan, I mean, the, the notion that he would come this far away – without ever having been here before. It just is a really, really tall order, maybe the tallest of the orders left, even considering that you got some guys in that mix that are committed. I mean, you know, it's not a foreign concept to have a Hawaiian kid committed to Michigan, Roman Wilson, of course, right? But he came here on a visit. His family is from here as well. There are connections there for for Roman Wilson, that with with Titus and maybe Steve wants to take a stab at his last name, uh, that you just don't have those those same links with Titus. So Steve, Steve, we just put you on the spot. Can you say Titus's last name? No. <laughs> no. I'm not. I'm not walking the plank on that one either. I'll just call him uh, Titus M A. Right. Right. I hear you. Great I hear- player though. Interest. Fascinating prospect on the board now. When you consider. The Marcus Allen decommitment. There you right? go. See, I was about to say it was a segue. Yeah. You said yeah. M.A. So <laughs> M.A. Marcus Allen decommitted. Uh, it's a how do you do there, Steve? Yeah, yeah Steve, and Steve, Steve. Inadvertent segue there, right? Chess checkers, you know, just thinking. <laughs> a little thinking there. But, no, fascinating. Yeah, he becomes an interesting target, though, for that reason. Um, whether Michigan wants to push through for a fourth, I think I assume we all agree is probably still sort of up in the air especially when you consider, you know, Bryce mentions Caleb Burton. You got Tyler Morris and Caleb Brown out of Illinois out there. Michigan appears to be in pretty good shape with those guys in 22 at receiver. You know, it might be, might be one of those deals where uh, you get a guy you want, you take him. If not, you know, you don't, you're not going to reach too hard uh, to try to get a guy, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's fascinating, fascinating prospect now after missing on David and, and with Allen decommitting for sure. Yeah, you know, Marcus Allen, it caught some people. I mean, hell, it caught me a, a little off guard. Uh, it doesn't seem like to me from, you know, digging around in the class and trying to get the temperature of how they saw it inside the program 
doesn't seem like it was much of a shock to them. Uh, the impression that I got, and obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you probably have an idea of who Marcus Allen is. But if you don't, uh, Clayton Northmott, 6'3", 185-pound receiver, long, contested catch, jump ball guy with more speed than I think maybe he's given credit for. But he backed out of his commitment last week, and the word that I got was that it had sort of been trending the way of him questioning his position for some time, going back to when Andre Anthony committed. And, you know, he said some things on social media where he alluded to he just wasn't feeling the same kind of attention to Michigan. He wasn't feeling the love, so to speak. Uh, and the way that I interpreted that, and you guys tell me how you did, but in the aftermath of Andre Anthony committing, you know, maybe wanting to, 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 to hear that persistence, uh, to, to hear about his, his role, just to have that reassurance. And they didn't bend over backwards to give him that reassurance. It was more along the lines of if and when he started expressing doubts, they let him. I guess you can read into that what you want, but it definitely wasn't one that they put up much of a fight for once he started expressing those doubts. Still a really good player, though. I mean, Josh Newkirk just went down to see him. Uh, we're going to have a story on the MichiganInsider.com, an interview with Rod Moore that I want to touch on here shortly. But he said, yeah, uh, you know, Marcus Allen, they, he, they threw him a pass on the sideline. He housed it from like 50 yards out. So he said, you know, the kid has talent. He's going to land on his feet somewhere. But it's just not a position. I mean, the way Michigan has hit that position so successfully, especially these last two cycles, guys, if they don't get a fourth, it's not like, oh, man, you know, they fell down. I mean, this will this will be a hell of a recruiting haul, a hell of a receiver haul, even if they just land with the three guys and Xavier Worthy, Christian Dixon, and then, of course, Andre Anthony. So they'll be fine. I think the bigger concern uh, should be and probably was for Michigan fans, what, if any, effect would it have on Rod Moore? Because that's a guy, Steve, as we're, we're talking about rankings that's a guy I think we all feel is is due a bump up in the rankings. Yeah, I stole him from Bryce for Sleeper of the Year uh, about a month and a half ago. I feel like when we broke down our sleepers or our guys that we thought were underranked, uh, he's looked great just from the film. I'm sure Newkirk probably has way more insight on it now that he's seen him live uh, as, as a guy who's really looked good so far. And as a guy, I think, yeah, I know Allen has been kind of waiting uh, to see what he would do early in the year and, and that he's a guy that has really been viewed as a guy that they're considering uh, bumping up or that they've wanted to bump up. They just wanted to see a little bit more from. So no, and I know what Bryce, you had the report, you're right. That things are solid there still. So, and I, like you said, Sam uh, Newkirk will have a lot more on that uh, from his trip, but, but no, I mean, that is the, I, I think that probably was the primary question for a lot of people, just because like you said, they've recruited receivers so well. And like I said, go back to 22, they look good for some big time guys early on. It really is a sort of another one of those positions where uh, they're almost recruiting from a position of power uh, in, to some extent. So, so yeah. Yeah, you talked to Rod more a little bit, right, Bryce? Yes. So I talked to Rod. I basically just asked him, you know, how do you feel about, you know, Marcus Allen decommitting from Michigan? Does that have any impact on your uh, status? And he basically said, listen, you know, I respect his decision. He had to do what's best for him. But we're two different people, and I'm going to leave it at that. 
you know, we're two different people. I'm going to go to whatever school I got to go to. And he's going to go over to school what he ever has to go to. So um, didn't really get in much detail about that. I know Josh Newkirk, mm-hmm. like you said, so I'm probably will have way more, more analysis, more intel on kind of everything that happened, but looking forward 2021 now wide receiver recruiting turns to a couple of guys. So again, Titus MA, um, <laughs> he's a guy that Michigan has stayed on uh, both sides of the ball. So he's one option still Jaden Thomas guy. We talked about a couple of times on the podcast from Georgia, four-star wide receiver. He's a guy that Michigan likes also on the baseball diamond. Um, he's a guy that can play both sports. Michigan's offer both sports. And then the third guy is Lorenzo Styles, Notre Dame uh, wide receiver commit from Ohio. Michigan's been trying to get him up on campus. Yeah, don't say that too loud. Tough. <laughs> Notre Dame will yeah. the hell out of him. <laughs> hey, I mean, listen, all, all three guys, too, are kind of in tied with Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a crystal ball for Titus. Notre Dame, supposedly, it feels like leads also for Jaden Thomas. Um so all three guys that Michigan's going to look for another wideout in the 2021 class, they might have to fight Notre Dame, which seems to be uh, the common denominator going forward with a lot of these recruits. So, yeah, those are the three guys. If Michigan does decide to move on and try to find a fourth guy to fill that um, yeah. just, slot. Just so you know, I don't know if Lorenzo Styles likes you too much, Bryce. Probably not. <laughs> he, probably, he, probably, probably not. he probably looks at you like, they, like the Lakers was looking at D'Angelo Russell when he was telling everybody, yeah, you know, Swaggy P has another woman on the side. He's like, man, you just blew me up for everybody to see. What's going on? You told hey, me. He told you, me. You told the world. No, 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 no. He, he told me. You he told the world like, that no, he's committed no, no, no. to he Notre Dame, but he's me. still looking at Michigan. And then all of a he sudden, he me. had everybody. He had all the Notre Dame coaches on him. Tom Lloyd called him about 12 times. It was like, oh, man, Bryce, you blew up my spot, man. He didn't have to say anything. That's not my fault. I just said, hey, have you talked to Michigan? He said, well, what do you know? I just had a FaceTime with Harbon Gaddis. I'm like, well, golly gee, I guess I'm going to report this. I mean, come on now. No. If, if you don't want it out there, you know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. Well, we'll see how it goes. Clearly, uh, there's, there's still some interest there. They sent the scholarship letters out uh, to those guys, knowing that they had the, the four – uh, commitments in the class. I don't know if they did that, anticipating that someone would would come open or what. Maybe there would, maybe they would have taken five. Who knows? But uh, they they had that base covered to at least have a puncher's chance with these guys. Now I I haven't think they're all of them are uphill battles. Uh, some steeper than others, uh, but they're they're at least options. But I think it's important to note that if they don't get any of them. Uh, it's still been a hell of a receiver haul. All right, so let's let's pause for the cause right here, take a little bit of a break. When we come back on the other side, we will wrap up 21 recruiting talk with uh, previewing a little bit of the extensive travel that we have coming up next, next week. Uh, one of the stops will be uh, by Oak Park, the Oak Park West Bloomfield game, where we'll catch up with Rayshon Benny and some interesting buzz on Rayshon Benny. And then we'll get into 2022 recruiting, where already we're starting to see some really, really positive signs uh, with some other 2022 prospects that the Wolverines are on. Uh, maybe even getting close to the crystal ball. I know, uh, Steve, you and Bryce already dropped one on a 2022 recently. So we'll get to a break and we'll come back on the other side and pick things up talking about Rayshon Benny. 
All right, so guys, as I said, we are going to be out and about. They are playing high school football in the state of Michigan. Guys, they brought it back and thought better of playing high school football in the spring, an abbreviated season, leave it six games, and then, of course, the playoffs. And there are some gigantic matchups in, in, in week one. One of the many that we'll be at will be West Bloomfield taking on Oak Park. That's all the guys at West Bloomfield, of course, headlined by Donovan Edwards uh, versus Oak Park, which is headlined by Rayshon Benny. Crystal Ball has been on Michigan for Rayshon for some time. Uh, It's been interesting to see the ebb and flow of the top competition in the race. Now, you guys might recall that I said, you know, Michigan State was hanging on by a thread. They were on life support in that recruitment. Uh, Mark D'Antonio had basically, you know, they crapped the bed, for lack of a better analogy, with Rayshon. He just didn't want anything to do with Michigan State. To the new staff's credit, they didn't take that side eye from him when they came in the door. They didn't take it personally. They were persistent. And it started to to register with him a bit. He does have a teammate committed to Michigan State. But they started hitting him with this pitch about building his brand and it being this thing that would propel him into life after football. I don't know about you guys, but it just, that seems like such a losing argument to me when compared to Michigan. The Michigan State brand, no disrespect intended, well, okay, maybe it is disrespect intended a little bit, but compared to Michigan's brand, this is going to be, I think, the next sort of battleground in in this recruitment. Michigan dealing from a position of strength, being challenged by one of the the suitors that are is best positioned to challenge them, they being Michigan State, saying, hey, you'll have an opportunity uh, to, to be a high-profile guy here, and then your brand we will be focused on on developing that and, and making sure the Rayshon Benny brand is going to be one that can help sustain you, uh, not only in football, but in life after football. That's just a, a pitch that Michigan has used and used successfully over the years. They have so many uh, athletes in, in sports and so many athletes outside of sports that have gone on to great success. Uh, guys, I just happen to think that's going to be one that Michigan is going to is going to be able to present a much better case when push comes to shove and and that becomes the measure for him when compared to Michigan State. What do you guys think? That's a real swing for the fences approach, but I suppose if you're Michigan State, I mean, that's kind of, that's like you wonder if they'd let him call the defense, <laughs> you know? But I mean, like right. half, like half try to be, but you know what I mean? It's like I Michigan State, is, it's, it's that they're desperate. Um you know, to make a big splash with the new staff. So, you know, they're going to go above and beyond uh, in any regard with any of these guys, particularly the in-state kids, to try to make some kind of perception, like some kind of splash, you know, from a perception standpoint that they can recruit against Michigan in-state, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting. I mean, like I said, I, I can understand why they would take that approach, but it would be interesting to know how they're pitching it versus what Michigan can kind of offer in that regard. Because yeah, I mean, if numbers don't lie uh, in that, you know, in situations like this, I mean, the, the reach for a Michigan athlete is, is worlds right beyond what it is at Michigan state. <laughs> that's right? I mean, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. It's too. Just that's a not fact. even a, a take, you know, that's a, that's a fact. So fascinating to see. I do know Michigan state 
I thought I saw like a graphic or something that, that they had sent either with a scholarship or just to, to some guys about like the uh, uh, what is it? Your uh, how you can sell yourself like, you know, what's the what's the term with the autographs and stuff like the the new name thing, image the, likeness. Yeah, the likeness and stuff like that type of deal. Like they, they did a some kind of graphic around that, you know, so it does seem to be something that they're hitting mm-hmm. pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like like I said, I just I'd be fascinated to know uh, what the difference is in the pitch there because it is that's an uphill battle if you're Michigan State. But like I said, one thing it's one you kind of kind of expect it though. I mean, they got to do something to try to make some kind of impact here. Yeah, absolutely. Look, <laughs> you know the the reach, the largest living alumni. That's a very very tough tough one to, to tough one for them to 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 beat Michigan on. But what they probably could beat Michigan on, and I'm not saying this, you know, as a, as you know, to suggest that I think this is going to be a winning argument. But if you're, you know, if they're telling him he could come in and and be a starter as a freshman, uh, and you know, be a, a starter and a marquee guy uh, as a freshman, it's not to say that that wouldn't be possible uh, that he couldn't compete uh, at Michigan in that way. Uh, but Michigan State has a whole hell of a lot of playing time available, guys. I mean, it's it's going to be a while before Michigan State is back to where Mark D'Antonio had them at their height. So then the question becomes: Is okay, do you want to win? Uh, and how soon do you want to win? I mean, are you are you okay with being a part of a rebuilding project? Uh, if you are, that might be that might appeal to you. But uh, again. Uh, you know, you you got winning you can sell if you're Michigan. You certainly got a uh, bigger brand power that you can sell, a larger alumni network that you can sell. Whether you're talking about in the world of sports or out, uh, just uh, still a lot of reason to be confident about Michigan standing with Rayshon Benny. But certainly, it would be not giving you the lay of the land if I didn't relay uh, that there is buzz out there about Michigan State making some headway with this latest pitch of theirs. All right, so guys, let's let's switch gears now and get into 2022 recruiting. And Steve, you and Bryce uh, here recently with a guy from the state of Georgia who made it up for a dead period visit. And, you know, I know you guys were talking like, you know, who got the crystal ball in first? Was it you, Steve, or was it you, Bryce? Who got the crystal ball in first from from Marlon Klein? I did. I was literally typing it when Bryce posted on the site. I checked the thread. Uh, I was literally typing it out, which is also ironic uh, because when I put in the Donovan Edwards crystal ball, I had sent Alan a message to see if his confidence level where his if he was changing his confidence level anytime soon. And uh, he was literally in the midst of writing his article. Uh, so I was able to kind of sneak both of those in there, I guess, a little bit, uh, you know, kind of steal the thunder uh, unintentionally. But I think I got it in by a little bit. All right. So let's let's jump off there. Marlon Klein, a tight end prospect and 2022 tight end recruiting. uh, You know, as far as, you know, when you talk about position groups, that one seems to to have caught fire a little bit. It's, you know, the the Wolverines have sent out some some offers at that position and seeming like a cluster of them here of late. And they seem to be in really, really good position with several of them, but Marlon Klein taking, you know, a dead period visit from from the state of Georgia. That's, that's interest on a different level and certainly 
was a part of why you guys put in the crystal ball. So uh, jump right in and tell us what, you know, what were some of the details that led you guys to that decision? So the, just the fact that he took a visit, first of all, is is significant at this point in the process, right? I mean, with the, how many how many guys have now taken visits to Michigan since the pandemic, since the dead period's been going on? Like a, a handful, mm-hmm. you know. So to just take that trip all the way from Georgia in the first place is significant. We also know Michigan, I think, was the second or third school to offer him, and that he's been a pretty much listed as a top target on our site. Not too far after they offered. Uh, he's an 88 rating, but I know that they look at him as, I mean, he's one of their top three or four targets at tight end and has been as well. I think the one guy off the board, Holden Stays, uh, who committed to Penn State about a month or, month or so ago, was another top target who's now committed elsewhere. But uh, Marlon Klein is a guy they think as more of a the move position at tight end, a guy that would more be an inline receiver, not so much a guy that they would, not that they wouldn't ask him to block, but that won't be his like primary uh, deal. They look at him as an elite pass catcher, uh, you know, and and so I that was me going off of a little bit of intuition, but also hearing that the visit went really well. Then I spoke to him and felt even better about the crystal ball uh, after that. Had never had a kid that I can remember who ever like recognized the fact because he I asked he's got some offers from some bigger programs, Georgia being one in particular. Asked him if there were any other schools. He was like hoping to get an offer from or, or what some of these other bigger schools were saying never had a kid who like recognized that some of the, he said that some of the bigger schools I think offered after a school like Michigan offered me early on in the process. And he's like, so I've appreciated not just the fact that Michigan offered early, but they they've been so persistent with me throughout, um, you know, that I think it's a situation, you know, you, you got Sharon more on the case, obviously you're going to have a chance either way. Uh, but just kind of adding all that up, and I felt I felt really good about that crystal ball, actually. Yeah, so I actually – I don't know if I officially put it in yet, but, but I, either way, I was going to put it in steeping me. Um, but, but with Marlon, you know, he's the guy that when he when he first got, got that offer and I talked to him, one of his first offers, you could just tell by the way I was talking or he was talking to me that this was, this was just not just any offer. This was a very big offer. You know, he had came from Germany – um, was just learning the game of football. This is a big offer, but he knew about Michigan. One of the reasons he knew about Michigan was because of Mo, because of Franz, because of, you know, all that. Plus, on top of that, Michigan, I, I want to say in Steve's report that he also got to talk with Julius Welshoff, who is also from Germany. And is balling um, right now in camp, by the way. And is balling, exactly. So, I, you know, that's a plus. Um, he's got a extremely good relationship with uh, Sharon Moore. And actually I was told the Michigan staff looks at Marlin as honestly the Thomas Fedone of the 2022 class. They look at him in that high regard of a guy that he's like Steve said, a guy you can put on the outside, um, great pass catcher, you know, red zone um, mismatch guy that you can just throw it up there, jump ball. He's going to get it, make it a play. So he's a guy, and it's interesting with 2022 tight end recruiting because you look at him, you look at some of the other guys, they got Donovan Green, they got uh, Jaleel Skinner, they got some of those top guys, and Michigan has missed on some top tight ends um, like Theo Johnson and Thomas Fedoni. Um, So I don't know if they would make that move. I know I think you guys report they would if he wanted to commit. 
they probably would gladly accept. And I could see why, because he's a ball of clay. You can mold and transform and he could be a guy that could be a stud in this offense. So um, they're in a really good position. Like Steve said, with just the whole tight end room. And especially if they had two more in that class, I think Marlon would be a fantastic um, piece to him. Yeah, you know, Michigan has done a really, really good job here. Uh, and Sharon Moore, I think we got to we keep giving Sharon credit, and rightfully so, for uh, not only his recruiting prowess, but I think we need to highlight his his talent identification, guys. I mean, just you – the ability to get on guys early, to be the, the first to the punch, so to speak, that goes a long way when you talk about some out-of-region guys that – that maybe you get like a Matthew Hibner, that he was – I mean, think about Matthew Hibner when Michigan got on him. And, I mean, he was – he wasn't on this, the 24-7 radar. I mean, he was like – wasn't he rated in like the thousands or something like that, Steve? Yeah, that's what we call him, Mr. 1000. I mean, he bumped <laughs> he bumped up over 1,000 spots in the – in the either ours or the – one of the two uh, before – by the time he was offered for Michigan to the time he signed. Yeah, so he, I mean, they have a a, a really, I think, proven ability uh, to to scout guys, and it really shows up at the at the tight end position. I think we're going to see that with Schoonmacher down the line, uh, of course. But man, uh, this this kid Oscar Delp, who Steve, you you were on top of it last week when you said, "Hey, I'm I'm hearing word about another Georgia tight end." And I expect an offer to go out to. Uh, it was a little confusing to some Michigan fans because he's listed as a a wide receiver in our database. And I'll tell you something about his receiver skills. But not long after that offer went out, I got a call from a really close friend of of the Delp family. The Delps are from Michigan, huge huge Michigan fans, uh, and the kid's uncle, diehard Michigan fan, went to SC, but diehard Michigan fan nonetheless. Uh, and he said, look, you, you don't understand how big a Michigan fan my nephew is. He is a huge Michigan fan. So, Steve, when you wrote that, hey, when when he was talking about getting the offer and how exciting it was because it was his first offer and it was a titanic offer from a place like Michigan and that his dad cried, it wasn't just because it was a big offer. It was because they're Michigan fans. The kid is a Michigan fan. I mean, there was an, in, in an article that I referenced in in a blog during the week where he scored a touchdown in the game opener and his teammates are running, running down the field saying, good job, Michigan. So it is a big, big deal. The question immediately came on the board uh, to which Steve gave a one-word answer. Would they take this guy right now? <laughs> Steve was like, hell yeah, watch this kid's film. Yep. Steve, he is a ball player. He he is a terrific receiver, uh, and a guy from from everything that I've gathered so far, a guy they absolutely love. If Oscar Delp wanted to come to Michigan, uh, much like we just said with Klein, if Oscar Delp wanted to come to Michigan, Oscar Delp could come to Michigan. Hundred percent. So you talked about Sharon Moore's evaluation ability. Uh, Michigan, the first offer for Delp. They were the first offer for Stays, who I referenced earlier, who committed to Penn State. They were second or third for Klein. Um, it is the they're like we talked about Hibner too. Touch on Hibner. Uh, yeah, their their evaluation at tight end is as solid as any position on the staff for sure. Uh, and and I think it's a deal where they're now comfortable. You know, it's like Delp's not ranked, 
He's not rated yet, which to me, like people out there, maybe understand, like if there's one cycle to not worry about that right now, it's this cycle, right? He didn't get, he didn't get to camp. He didn't get to do anything in the off season. I think actually he did go to like what he did one event thing where, because uh, I believe he was invited to the San Antonio combine last year and had a, what he deemed as a, a poor showing, uh, but then went to a different camp, had a laser, a laser four, six, six. So I, I think that's what the first thing that caught Michigan's attention. Cause they've been, they've kind of had their eyes on him since April and he was a classic. Let's watch, let's get one game on film, see if he, you know, reassures us of what we already kind of think. And then go from there. He had two touchdown catches, uh, did some solid blocking, you know, for a guy who wasn't experienced in that, in that regard. He, he told me he played cornerback uh, a lot of the time, like a lot of last year, like, like he was a skill position player pretty much. So, uh, but yeah, no, they would definitely take him. They love him. Like you said, and like ever since, you know, Michigan offered, he's gotten five or six more right. since then. Right. And then he's got North Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson, all these other programs, Georgia uh, knocking on the door. Right. So not a guy I would, take lightly as far as uh like I said because he doesn't have a rating or ranking right now and definitely a guy that to me I thought like the question I posed was because they're also at least publicly according when when Steve Wolfong did the story on Jaleel Skinner who's the number one tight end in our rankings Skinner told him that Michigan and Florida State were his top two schools now he is from South Carolina I could probably count on one hand the amount of guys Michigan has signed from South Carolina so not something you were going to put many eggs in that basket necessarily but Delp wants in. Do you still take Klein right away if he wants in? Because you might feel the a kid like you might feel the heat at that point. They already took one tight end, not a spot. You're going to take three or four guys ever. Uh, that was to me was like maybe almost the bigger question. Lions, by the way. But. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, so would they take Klein then or would they hold off? Because they're also, you know, uh, Bryce mentioned Donovan Green, uh, another guy, number two tight end in the country that Michigan's. I mean, he talks with Michigan twice a week. So. Yeah, great. They're they're of the we've talked a lot about the fast start. I feel like they've gotten off to with this sophomore, this junior class. And I think tight end maybe more than any position now. We're seeing that they're you could argue they're in the top two or three for the all four of their top the top guys on their board right now. Yeah, it it'll be interesting. I, I guess you know, you, you have to weigh you have to weigh what you think the the odds are. Uh, when when you talk about Klein and you talk about Delp, you're talking about a couple of guys from from the state of Georgia, like you just said. You know, trying to pull a kid out of South Carolina, you could probably count on one hand. I mean, Georgia outside of Atlanta, I mean, it's a it, it can be a tough road to hoe. But unique circumstances with these two guys, and that Klein, you know, he's already come up for a visit on his own, and not just a visit on his own dime, but a visit on his own dime when he couldn't even talk to the coaches. That is a guy that is extremely interested. And then in Delp, you have a guy that, that you know, has family ties, family ties to the state, grew up loving Michigan, a big fan. I know we're going to get some, I'm, I know I'm going to hear some Isaac Nauta, uh from some people. It doesn't <laughs> always work out, right? I, I get it, but you have a, a, a really unique end here. And you swing for the fences, but if you got a couple of guys that you think are as good as any on your board, uh, and you got you have these kinds of connections to them, it, you get to that bird in the hand kind of deal. Uh, I haven't gotten any indication that they're on the verge of making decisions, so it's I, I don't think that they're confronted with this decision right now. Uh, but if they were, 
I, I just don't think they would hesitate to take him. Now, it, it's one of the interesting things to me has been uh, as you as you watch some of the recruiting, and maybe we'll get into this in a in a later podcast. Like we were talking about it with Kamari Lassiter. Uh, you look at some of the some of the guys that they're on in the 2022 class from Alabama, like Finkley, like Justice Finkley. They're swinging for the fences in some of these southern states. You're like, man, is this really a a worthwhile use of time? But they are really feeling good about about their profile down there. They got some some analysts with with connections down there, like Ashawn Larkins, who who uh, you know was coaching down there. Uh, back before he came to Michigan. So they got some connects down there that I think are are making them feel like it's not an exercise in futility to to recruit down there. But, I, you know, until we see them uh, pluck some of the guys that they don't have connections to or don't do things like Klein did and take that, take that dead period visit, I can understand why fans might be a little skeptical uh, but I, I don't think you can begrudge them, much like we we do with uh, uh, the deference we offer Juwan Howard. They want to swing for the fences, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> make them tell you no. Just don't don't put all your eggs in those baskets. And that's what I draw from what you just laid out, Steve. You're in on the number one tight end in the country. You're in on the number two tight end in the country. I mean, you're on the best guys at the position, but they don't have all their eggs in those baskets. They're swinging for the fences with those guys. But they have some other guys that are really, really good too. That if they wound up with them, it's not like they would be, you know, left short at the position. Yeah, I agree. We'll just, I, we'll just have to see. I mean, it's, it's, it's about as good a position as you could be in right now, though. You got two high ceiling guys potent, potentially knocking on your door, and then you got the two top guys in the country. Which again, we got to wait to see when visits can happen because that those two races will be dictated by whether those either of those kids can get up here, which is not going to be easy, I assume. Uh, especially unofficially, you know, all the way from Texas, not to mention Donovan Green, especially he's got probably 20, 30 schools like legitimately after him. I mean, he's one of the most sought after prospects in the country, mm-hmm. uh, but no, really just a, a strong position of power. And yeah, kind of hope that for, for Michigan's sake, you want to break the mold of because their, their tight end recruiting has kind of followed a pretty similar pattern. Uh, Bryce mentioned uh, Theo Johnson, mm-hmm. Fedoni, they do a really good job of getting a guy early that they love and that they really like, and then they always want to couple that guy, and they always seem to be in with one of the two or three best in the country, and they can't quite uh, seal the deal with that one. Probably maybe because they already have a guy in the boat. I mean, if I don't know, you know, each of those races I think were a little bit uh, dictated a little bit differently, uh, but but still, like you know, I think for their sake, I think they'd like to finish the deal and get two in this class because it, it's you know position I think they want to stock up a little bit more with. Yeah, well, we're going to be out and about seeing a lot of guys here uh in the uh in the coming weeks uh, and at least the certainly the the next month month and a half leading up to what we hope is the start of the of the Big 10 season. We are going to be all over the place. There's one place we we will not send Bryce to see Lorenzo Styles though. I promise you that. <laughs> he he will not he will be far away from Styles. He will be in a number of other locations but we will not impact Michigan's chances adversely by sending Bryce to see Lorenzo. You cool with that, Bryce? I, I apologize, Michigan fans. <laughs> if I alter that recruitment, I apologize, Michigan. I'm just saying, I apologize. If Bryce sees this Pickerington City limit sign, he actually has to drive around it right now. I don't even think he's allowed. I think you need to stay out of the town of Pickerington, Ohio, for a while, I think. So. Which is sad for the ladies of Pickerington, right? They are all just, oh, my God. 
No more Bryce driving through our locale. I mean, uh, sucks to be them, right, Bryce? You know what? They got a four star, but they're missing on a five star, <laughs> so it's all right. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, you know what, Bryce? Maybe you know you 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 take it away from them for a year, and then you you know you go visit them again next year. That'll work, right? Give him a little tease. Give him a little something. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we'll use that to tease what's coming up next. And that is Josh Hinchke joining the conversation. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm uh, doing okay, Sam. Doing okay. And you sound like you watched the Lions. Yeah, I mean, at least the Lions doing what the Lions did is the only thing of normalcy we'll have in 2020, which I guess is, I'll take some solace away from that. But, you know, yeah. Jeez. Well, how about this for, for something that might be abnormal to, to Michigan fans? They're going to say, uh, and, you know, a lot of them, as we've been talking about some of the five-star prospects, and we're going to talk about two more five-stars today, mm-hmm. a couple of five-stars that we've talked about a little here recently because they have been guys whose recruitment whose recruitments have really heated up uh, here in recent weeks. But they'll say, well, you know, we've taken shots We've seen Michigan take shots at these five stars, and they've been left uh, holding the bag a, a bit. Uh, certainly when they saw the the report from 24-7 Sports a couple of weeks ago now where, uh, you know, Harrison Ingram was down, you know, he's down to six schools, but really it was there were three schools at the top, according to 24-7. And those three schools at the top, Michigan, Stanford, and Purdue. And according to our experts, Stanford had the edge. And you had a bunch of Michigan fans say, oh, that's it. It's, it's all over. What are we even looking at this mm-hmm. at this guy for? More of the same as far as five-star, top 15, top 20 players are, are concerned. Look, one, first, one year with Juwan Howard does not a trend make. Two, you're going to always miss more than you hit. Three, he hasn't put all his eggs in those baskets, as we've talked about many times before. Uh, you know, you you have gotten a a really really good foundation for your class laid. Now you can afford to swing for the fences mm-hmm. with a few of these guys like Harrison Ingram, but there are a lot of things that they have going for him, uh, Josh. And you know, we spent a lot of time talking to to Ingram's dad, and he laid out a lot of those things. Yeah, you know, I think the one thing that you know, Juwan has been missing, you know, is, is that big five-star forward splash. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they've had success in the last class, but it didn't exactly, you know, work out with kids going to the G League and, and you know, the whole Josh Christopher saga and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, with, with Harrison Ingram, it's it, he's just he's just a different kid, you know. It's just – there's really no other way to a way to put it, you know, a, a kid that that's really legitimately interested in, in academics and, you know, a, a kid that's been to campus. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike a lot of these kids that we've been talking about, you know, due to the obvious reasons, but you know, there's, there's some, uh, I guess, fortuitous bounces in that, in that regard with, with a previous relationship with John Beeline staff intending camps and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely reason for optimism. You know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of positives there. And I think personally, if you, if you stack 
the positives against, you know, Stanford and Purdue, I think Michigan has the upper hand in that regard. Um, however, you know, I'm not Harrison Ingram, so I, I can't, (laughs) I can't determine that for him, but you know, I think there is a lot of positives in this situation, but you know, Ingram's just a different kid. You know, it's just, it's, he's, he's, I would say personally, he's very unpredictable um, in, in his own right, because he's very, he likes to keep things to himself. He doesn't talk a whole lot. I tried to talk to him the other day to see where he was at. And, you know, basically it was just him just saying, you know, man, I'm just, I'm just feeling things out right now. And, and that kind of seems to be the general consensus, a consensus, you know, among his dad and um, others, others close to him. So, you know, from an academic standpoint, you know, you really can't go wrong with all three programs, you know, and, and, you know, if he, if Stanford does end up being the choice, which, you know, will it, who knows, you know, you can't really go wrong. Um, and, and it just, that just, it just fits the criteria that, that Ingram's looking for. Yeah. So a couple of the things jump out to me. Number one, you know, Stanford and Purdue have the advantage of, of official visits. I mean, that is something to really think about while he did make it to, to Michigan for camp. It was a different kind of visit experience. So that might be a, a little bit of a deficit there for Michigan. But I think that Jawan, uh, we've talked about this a lot, the, the path that he's been on uh, as a player, the example that we've heard his dad talk about on this podcast, uh, the example that he set not only with the, the, the players in the program, but the example that he set with his own kids. I think that really resonates with the Ingram family. And, you know, the dad said to me, he said, you know, it's not like, you know, I understand what people are saying about Stanford, and Stanford is an unbelievable academic institution, but so are these other schools that we're looking at, and we aren't academic snobs. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he he has to go to Stanford. He can't go to these other schools because Stanford is just so so superior academically. He said, you know, these, these schools all have uh, academic attributes that we find appealing. Now, the kid wants to major in business. Uh, and so I think one of the angles, one of the hurdles that Michigan had to clear it with in that regard is, you know, no undergraduate Michigan or no undergraduate, no undergraduate business degree. That, that, that being something that they had to, to really address, that you could put them on a track. You know, you can certainly take classes in the business school. Uh, but that, you know, in some of these places there is a, a, a an undergraduate business degree uh, that that he might find uh, some appeal in. But again, Michigan's business school, one of the premier business schools in the country, uh, and, and they have had student athletes come through here uh, and take advantage of the opportunity to get into. Uh, you know, to be exposed to Rashawn Gary being one of them, for instance, mm-hmm. who comes immediately to mind. So uh, we've seen uh, we've seen it done. Uh, there is a uh, there is a blueprint for it. Uh, and I think that Michigan can strike both notes, the off field or the off court and the on court. And it'll be interesting to see if that balance, which Michigan has really been pushing, you know, who offers you the the best combination. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, Michigan is an elite academic institution, too. But which of those schools is maybe on the same track 
as Michigan? What do you see on the horizon as far as the program is concerned? Because one thing about Harrison Ingram, he's not going to be a G League guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, you know, you 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 look. I saw this question on the on the message board. Well, you know, do they have to compete with the G League with him? No, uh, you know, I don't even. A lot of people I talk to don't even think he's a one and done. They think he's a, a two and done at minimum, uh, maybe maybe three years, mm-hmm. uh, as far as his his development is concerned. A a really skilled wing uh, that can handle it. He is a plus passer, as we've heard his AAU coach uh, t- AAU coach talk about Vonzel Thomas, who is also uh, Jalen Wilson's AAU coach. Uh, as well, so very familiar with with Michigan. He's been part of of espousing the virtues of Michigan, so to speak, uh, and, and really talking up how Jawan can be a part of his development because it's going to be a developmental thing with him. Uh, but I, one of the things that's out there is that you know him being a guy that wants to be the the focal point offensively as far as. Uh, you know, handling the basketball and distributing to others, you know, would that role be as possible here as other places? And there have been things bubbling up about uh, him having some concern about Jed Howard. I See, I don't know. I When I heard that, I wondered if it, maybe it was a negative recruiting pitch from another school, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't had the opportunity to ask him or his dad that they are in sort of shutdown mode, so to speak. But it just strikes me as odd that, you know, that that would be something that he would come up with a guy that wouldn't even be on campus when he got there. Right. He, you know, Jed Howard wouldn't be at Michigan when he Harrison Ingram would be on campus for a full year before Jed Howard got to campus, assuming like we all do, the jet would come to Michigan, right? But and then you know, as far as position is concerned, they, there's no real conflict there. I mean, Jet isn't a isn't a guy that you're gonna you know use as a, a facilitator offensively. He's not gonna be the guy that you're gonna use as a setup man. So, uh, you know, you have the versatility with Harrison Ingram that they don't conflict, and so for that to for that to be out there in the atmosphere, that strikes me as something that one of these other schools has been saying. And I just don't know that it would that it would be something that he is that concerned with, especially when we heard his dad really talk about how how enamored they are with the job he's done developing his sons and uh, you know, and the the you know the team dynamic that he's developed to to think that they would have to be concerned with him playing favorites with uh, with his son, which is what what's implied there. Uh, I think flies in the face. It totally contradicts what Dad says. Says they really admire about Michigan. So I think it's more a negative recruiting thing. Uh, but if you want to win, if you're looking at the track line, the trend line for for recruiting with. With Juwan Howard, you're going to be around a lot of talented guys that can really take advantage of of your setup ability. And that's one of the things I know you heard Von Zell talk about it. He said, you know, he's not looking at, at recruiting classes from the standpoint of being scared of competition. He's looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, who am I going to have guys that I can win with, guys that I can pass to? And I think he'll be able to see that when he looks at Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm glad you brought that up with his with with uh, Von Zell. He 
you know, talked about, you know, is he going to shy away from competition in terms of, of where, you know, he stands on the, on, you know, the, the depth chart, so to speak, in terms of players at his position, you know, what Michigan's recruiting moving forward. And, you know, I thought what Von Zell said was, was very poignant in that, you know, it, it won't matter, uh, you know, who is on roster, who is going to be there, who's coming in because you don't have to pigeonhole Harrison as a, as a four or, you know, as a specifically a three, he can play multiple positions and that's kind of goes along with the general theme of what Juwan Howard likes to do in his recruiting is, is, you know, go after these, these kids that, you know, play positionless basketball. You know, we've mentioned that phrase multiple, multiple times, guys who can do different three, different things and don't necessarily have to be labeled as, as a certain position. So I think that's kind of, um, I guess valuable in, in terms of, of, of Michigan is that, you know, they can slot him every anywhere and, you know, you, you don't have to look at the roster and say, all right, who have we got coming in? Who, you know, who's here, who's potentially leaving things like that, because, you know, you can plug and play a guy like Harrison where you think he'll be most comfortable. And, um, you know, and I think that's, that's, you know, the super interesting part about his game is that he's just so, you know, multifaceted in so many different areas. Um, so yeah. And, and, you know, going back to the, the, the jet thing too. And I guess if that, if a program's only form of negative recruiting is bringing up the coach's son, I guess you're doing something right in terms of, of recruiting. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a, of a reach and sounds kind of like a salty coach is, is, is trying to put some stuff out there, but um yeah, you know, I think you're doing something right. If 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 the if the coach's son is the main thing that you're bringing up in terms of negative recruiting a program. Yeah, again, that's speculation on my part. Uh, you know, I haven't heard that a school definitely has done that. I'm just putting two and two together here. It just it yep. seems like something really, really odd for a kid who's ranked in the top 15 to be thinking about a kid that's coming to school after him. Even if it is the coach's son, again, I think that's I think that's something another school is is putting out there. I would be really doesn't sound like him. Yeah, I it would be surprised. Like I would be surprised if that really played a key role in his decision. Time will tell, of course, uh, as he is in the final stages here uh, as far as his decision making process is concerned. It is expected uh, in the next couple of weeks, so uh, keep it locked to the MichiganInsider.com. As we will, uh, we will keep you posted on how things are looking there. Uh, in closing, though, uh, a, a brief moment on a guy whose recruitment probably isn't in the home stretch uh, because he is determined to take more visits. He's taken a few, uh, but he wants to get out on more. And I'm talking about the number one player in the country in Chet Holmgren who, you know, we, we've marveled at his talent, a seven-footer that could put it on a deck. Do not call him a five. He is a he is a seven-foot wing, according to that, right? And you look at his game, and and it, and it really looks like that. That's what Michigan and all the other schools are really selling him. But re- what really stood out to me in the conversation with his dad is they are so determined to get out on visits. The dad said they will push his decision until the late signing period. So there's that's a... 
that's a great bounce for Michigan. As one of the schools that hasn't had him on campus yet, he's been to Gonzaga. He's been to Minnesota. He's been to Georgetown. He's been a few places already in his final group of schools. He hasn't been to Michigan. So that he's willing to extend it to get out to more uh, to more campuses uh, is has to be a positive sign for Michigan. Not to say that they can they're going to get him. It's uh, you know leading to them leading or anything, but it's a positive sign for their chances. Josh. Yeah, yeah. I thought that conversation with his dad was was very enlightening because just Chet and his family as a whole don't really talk that much um, in terms, you know, nationally in terms of their recruitment. So kind of getting an inside look of at least, you know, where his head is at in terms of what he wants to do in the future is uh, is important. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a good a good answer of that his dad gave in terms of the G league too, is that he's another guy that you don't have to worry about the G league. Um, and I don't think, you know, considering, you know, his, his body type and just, he just needs to put on a few pounds. I think he'd get just wrecked at that level. Um, <laughs> to right. put it, to put it lightly, right. uh, you know, his dad is very confident about his game as he should be, but you know, that's, that's a grown man. Yeah, he just needs there. to get big. He needs to get bigger and stronger. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, you know, and and they don't they don't need to rush. They're they don't need to rush. I mean, a lot of these a lot of these kids don't need to rush in terms of making a decision. You know, early signing day is is, is coming up, but you know, with with all these the unknowns in terms of when visits can take place, when is that going to be lifted, and things like that. You know, you you have your. Uh, you're fortunate you're, you have enough to, you have the late signing period to, to take care of that, to answer all those questions. So, you know, I think, you know, do I think Michigan will have a hat on the table at the end of the day? I certainly do, but you know, I think there's a lot, there's a, a lot of inroads that still need to be made and that, you know, starts and ends with having him on campus. And, you know, his dad said so himself to you, you know, that you gotta, he, he wants to see the campus. He wants to see what campus life is like and, uh, you know, he hasn't had a chance to do that yet. So, you know, without a, without a visit, I don't think, you know, there's going to be, I mean, Michigan will have a shot, but I don't think, you know, they're going to be the, any clear cut favorites until, you know, he can actually visit schools. Yeah. If I had to choose one right now and they, to be clear, uh, you know, they haven't given any clue, any inkling that there is a, a leader, but I, I think you would point to schools that he's been to. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I would say, okay, who's had a, a track record with players like him? Gonzaga. I, mm -hmm. I look at Gonzaga as the, as the team. I mean, you got a, a teammate in Jalen Suggs who's, who's out there, but he, I mean, will he be there by the time Chet got there? Chet was to go, probably not. Mm -hmm. uh, but you look at some of the, some of the, the, the the six ten seven footers that are, have versatility like that, like Achillean Tilly, for instance, most recently, um, you know I, that would be the team that I would pick, uh, you know, just based on the the things that he has on the table right now. He's been there, their track record, uh, you know, connection with that that program over time. But again, that Michigan is going to have the opportunity likely to have him on campus really, really gives them a shot. It gives uh, Chet and, and, and his dad and his family a shot to see or some time to see how this recruiting class develops. That's another big factor for them. Frankie, uh, you know, Frankie has been talking to him. 
that helps. You know that that really helps, and they're looking to see who else the uh, the Wolverines are are in on, and they're going to get. So uh, time will serve the Wolverines well, at least as far as their chances in that recruitment are concerned. But uh, again, that's another recruitment that we will have much more on in the coming weeks and months. But that will do it for this edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Remember, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do. Uh, you Spotify listeners, especially, love your feedback on Spotify. Tell your friends wherever they get their podcast, they can find this one. But you know, Spotify is definitely one of the better platforms uh, to find us on. So again, folks, uh, be sure to tell them about the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Uh, we will be back next week with another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider.